we're talking to David Wells now, who is a great rep for Tiza, knows about the brand. We'll get into that coming up in a yes. second. Love the shirt from Kratzy too, but Boomer, how you doing, man? Great to have you on. You got the whole crew here, Pruszynski, Adam Jones, Kratz, and just little old me who didn't play the sport. What's up? <laughs> Nothing, just <laughs> chilling out, man. Getting Just got back from some hunting and... Uh... Now I'm uh, sweating my ass off down here in Florida. <laughs> all right. So first off, tell us you were sweating your ass off up at Yankee Stadium, right? How, how are all the boys doing? They're doing good. It's good to see the uh, the old crew. Got the band back together for a couple of days. And, you know, just, you know, it's just like being in the locker room. You guys know that talking to smack and having a blast. What was like the. Oh, go ahead, Adrian. No, I was going to ask him. Were you mad they didn't play the game? I mean, were you going to no. get. Well, you weren't going to get out there and, like, chuck your curveball up there, you know? Dude, I got, sur- I got surgery set for the 29th of November to get a sh- new shoulder. This thing's done. I'm, not- <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm stoked I'm not playing in that game. But a lot of people were bummed out, but we're too old. We don't want to pull anything anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. Like, I remember they used to have, like, Yogi Bear out there. I was they did. Enough to, I was fortunate enough to be at one of the old-timer games, like, maybe 2000, 2001. And, and Yogi Berra, they had like Whitey Ford come out and throw out the first pitch. I mean, he didn't pit play in the game, but I mean, I wanted to see you against Jeter, you know, you against Bernie, you against Posada. Let's go. Well, last time I pitched in the game, Paul O'Neill took me about 10 rows deep, so he could still play. That guy's still in good shape, man. So the, the picture no. of him, the picture of him looked like he was, he was, you know, mixing a couple extra reps. He looks like he He's was Hulk. He is Hulk. Yeah. He, he is. is definitely he was- not testing positive. You know what? He was probably has his drum set somewhere in the stadium, and he went out there and played about twenty minutes to get his veins popped out. So he looks like he's, uh, you know, he he is the Hulk, but he doesn't need that. He's he's pretty fit. A lot of guys, El Duque, uh, Mariano, those guys. I'm like, they should still be out there on the mound. Hey, Boomer, how you doing, San Diego kid? I went to Morris High School. You are uh, Point Loma. Um, oh, yeah. So that's how amazing is it, though, to to be around those guys? Again, when we're playing with each other, we're talking every day when you retire. You know, you go going to live your own individual lives. But how amazing is it to just get back with the guys like it never like you never even left them? Well, you know, you're absolutely right there because you don't see these guys for 10, 15 years. And then you're you're there for 10 minutes and it's it's same old, same old again. And it's just, the stories come out, the, uh, you know, remember when you did this, remember when you did that. And it's just great. I mean, we're just a lot older, but you know what, you'll never take the kid out of us at all. And you know, that, that's, that's the beauty of, of going back to old timers day or, or just, you know, any function when you're with, uh, with your peers, it's always going to be something because there's never going to be any, uh, I, I would say there's no intimidation. There's no, you know, you don't have to worry about anything because somebody's going to come up with some screwed up story and it's just going to be nothing but laughter. And and and, and you being a, a Morris alumni, you know, Sam Horn and Mark, Mark McLemore, who I played mm-hmm. in high school. I don't know. Do you keep in touch with those guys at all anymore? Yeah, both of them. McLemore is my mentor and I got to know um, Sam Horn really well when I got traded to Baltimore and always seen him in Boston. So I love both of those dudes. Yeah, they were they were fun to pitch against in high school. Sam hit that hit a home run off me. I think it went 214 feet in that right field fence that you guys had back. Oh then. yeah, we got we got our yeah. pesky po. Short porch. <laughs> hey Boomer, um, how much are you watching the current game? And if so, 
Um, thoughts on like the Padres zero? Oh, well then I don't have much for you. How about, <laughs> do you even know? Like, I mean, the Yankees aren't going to make the playoffs this year, which should be like taboo for your world. No, it, it, I've been to two, I've been to two games. I was in San Diego for a bit. Went to a Padres game with my buddy Chuck, and actually I've been to two or to one Yankee game, and, and that's about it. I'll, I'll catch bits and pieces here and there, you know, if I'm watching. If I'm not if I'm not doing something, if I'm at home, I'll flip through and I'll catch some stuff. But uh, it's just so hard for me to watch, you know, going to that game in San Diego and. I think the pitcher got nailed like three times with the clock, and it's just it's just frustrating. You see the frustration on him, but I'm just such an old school guy. I don't like, you know, I don't like the way the game. I think Rob Manfred hates the game of baseball because he keeps changing, keeps changing all the rules for the worst. What needed to be changed when you were playing? What what was when you were playing? You were you know did you guys what did you guys talk about? Like ah oh, man, we need this to be changed. Um, umpires. Because when I came up and when I came in the league, you know, my first outing was against the Yankees. My first batter was uh, Ricky Henderson. And I threw a ball right down the middle and it was ball one. I'm like, wow. And then when I pitched against Wade Boggs, it was the same thing there. I, I, I kid you not, their their strike zone was three inches by three inches. And and that was it. So basically you had to throw it and they had to hit it. And, that was a frustrating thing for me when I was when I came up and through my tenure uh, was just the strike zone because it always changed a lot, um, you know. And I threw strikes. Everybody knew me who pit, who hit against me. They knew that they had to come ready because I'm throwing strikes. You know, I'm gonna get you out as fast as I can. You know, I, I wasn't like Mike Messina trying to strike everybody out, and you know he was obsessed with striking guys out, and he was one hell of a pitcher. But you know, to me, I just wanted to get out of there, but. But with the, the changes, you know, it, was, it really wasn't a whole lot. We talked about how we're going to get better. You know, we tried to change the culture of the team all the time, you know, sitting after the game, you know, with a bucket of beers and, and trying to figure it out. That's what we did. And, and now today, I mean, the script is written for them. There's, you know, the analytics have taken over and these guys aren't swinging at certain pitches. And then that's, you know, and, and now the strike zones, they're up and down. So you just see a lot of changes in it now that, you know, really wasn't there unless you were in the National League where the strike zone was for pitchers was huge. They were like John Hirschback. He had a wide zone. That was the whole National League, you know, being an American League guy. I wanted to ask you about longevity. Playing 21 years in the major leagues is a dream come true. Playing getting there is a dream come true. Right. To this era, especially, you know, now the money is different. You can play one inning and they offer you $50 million after you don't even have to prove yourself. Um, <laughs> what would you, what advice would you give to these young kids and some of the vets on how to preserve your body for 21 seasons, which is, I mean, the tip of, tip of the cap and the salute to you, sir, for that. Well, that, that can be a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I know a few of the answers. <laughs> I, I burned the candle both ends when during my during my uh, career, but uh, you know I always had I just I always had the knack to go out there and compete, and and to me you know as pitchers all we did was run, you know we did our five pound cu cuff weights, did this, but as pitchers we just ran a lot, and you know to me when you run a lot you're building your legs up, and you know you might go through a dead ball or a dead arm period but you get over it really quick. But to me, I just, you know, I, I just 
12 ounce curls were always good for me, but you know, it's, I was a different breed, but to me, it's having the will to go out there and compete, obviously take care of yourself, take care of your body, which I totally didn't do. Um, but you know, I was just one of the lucky ones that got away, but you know, for these young kids coming up, you know, with all this money that is thrown around, you know, it's there for the taking, just be yourself. Don't try to be something that you're not go out there, get your own identity you did it. Everybody on this panel did it except one, and uh, but he did it in his own way. So, so I, I think that uh, you know you just have to have that sense and just have the the will to compete and try to better yourself every every time out. Boomer, I think people get a laugh, and I chuckled when you said you used to run a lot because I think most people <laughs> would look at you and be like, "That dude ran!" Like, come on! Like, are you? I mean. I, <laughs> I ran a lot. I just ate a lot and drank a lot. That's the thing. We would run 20 poles every day in 10 sprints. And, you know, I would pretend to do the sit-ups, but, uh, but, but I did them. But, but to tell you, AJ, for as big a guy as I was, I was, I was very, very athletic. I could fill my position. And, you know, being at 260 to 280 pounds, I could still run faster than a lot of guys out there. You know, I was I was a sleeper, but you know, once you're an athlete, you're always that. That was me running from the police a lot when I was a kid. So I had to, you know, I learned how to run real quick. <laughs> would you have survived? Would you have had the career you had if you played in this day and age, or would you have fought guys? Would you have not thrown hard enough? Like, what would? How would you have done? Or how would you do if you just got plopped your career, boom, right into today's baseball? Well, I, I think today's game, I mean, because everything is scripted for you, you know, I made my money pitching in. So that that's to me is I didn't, I didn't want these guys to get extended. And you know the guys that can hit for power, you, you just tried to stay in on them. The guys that didn't have the power up and away, like Wade, Wade Boggs and Don Mattingly, they weren't, they weren't really threats for me unless I pitched middle in out of the middle, but if it was up and away, they back then they didn't go deep like that. Um, and then all of a sudden the steroid era came and everyone's going 50 rows deep oppo. But, um, but to me, I, I, I think I would, I would fare pretty well. I mean, because I pitched my game. I never, you know, very seldom did I look at the reports. If I didn't know anybody, if I knew a guy came up, I would, I would, you know, I would sit with the catcher you know, and, and, or with the pitching coach and just go over or something like that. But I would go to the meetings, but it kind of went in one ear and out the other because I pitched to my strengths and my strengths because I threw strikes. I threw five pitches for strikes. So, you know, you couldn't really, you couldn't really sit on anything. So to me, I think I'd be okay in this day. As one of the 24 men with uh, a perfect game, how well do you remember your almost second perfect game in 98? 28. Um, that was 28 straight. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. I mean, I, I Derek lost it in the in the sun or the lights, and it, it was it was just a routine. Fly. I think Giambi hit it, and it was just like I just put my hands on my head like that, and then the media just took that and ran with it. And then Derek, he comes on the mound. And he goes, "Hey, we don't play that crap around here." I'm like, "Man, get the get back to shortstop. I'll tell you what's going on." <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it would have been cool. But, you know, in a sense, I've made comments. I'm glad it didn't happen because there's so much pressure when, you, when, when you're in one of those situations. And, but it would have been cool to be the only guy in the history to do two perfect games in a row. 
But, uh, you know, Johnny Vandermeer was back-to-back no-hitter, so let's just let him have that record for the rest of, of, the, uh, of baseball history. You mentioned the steroids. When the steroids came in, dudes started dropping tanks oppo. How much do you feel like in 06 when Greenies got banned, that made an impact on the game? You know, I I just I I, I never I never really got into those. Um, I wish I would have done the steroids now because <laughs> I would have had a better body, and who knows what the hell would have happened. But uh, you know, it, it to me it it was it's it's competition, and and I don't care if you're on it or you're not. You know, I've been I've been plagued by it by other by losing games from guys that normally don't hit a home run off you to to doing that or fisting one in. But, uh, you know, the greenies weren't really, you know, to me it was – there were so many day games back then. And if you got – you're getting in late, I didn't ever have a problem with them. To me, you still got to play the game. Steroids, you know, is, is a different is a different subject because that does enhance you. That does make you stronger and for these guys. But, you know, the guys that – that were injured, and if it was under a doctor's supervision, I don't think I would have a problem with it. But, you know, all the guys that did it, they're lying about it, saying they never did it, and you know they did it, but it's like, what the hell? But, you know, I'm a code guy. I I won't throw anybody under the bus. You know, you just live and learn with it, and, you know, I know what I did in my career, so I'm, I'm, I'm all right with it. Not asking you to throw anybody under the bus, but you said when you started noticing balls going into the seats, what was the first time when you noticed that you were like, what? Like what yeah. year? When like how did that ball get out? How did he Well let me out? tell you so I think it was 89, 88 or 89, maybe 90. And uh I remember in, in Texas and I think it was Ruben Sierra, uh uh Pudge, uh Julio Franco, Juan because all these guys. I remember the year before they were so skinny, and then like a year or two later they're so big and they're just going deep. I had no clue, and, and you know, I, I, I don't know if they've ever been caught doing it, if they were on the list, but that's when you had a sense of, there's something going on here when these guys are going that far, I mean, oppo, that deep. But then all of a sudden, the whole league is doing it, you know, and, it's, and, and they didn't move the ballparks in that much back then. So you just, you know, you just had a sense of like, all right, that guy's on it. All right, well, that guy's on it. You just, you just never knew. Were you pissed? Did, did guys like say anything, think that like the league should respond or it's like, Oh, whatever. I got to decide if I want to do it or not. I, you know, to be honest with you, I, I didn't really know. I just said, damn, these guys got really big. It's like when I played against Canseco in rookie ball in 1982, that's dating myself. I mean, that Duke at hula hoop and a Cheerio. And then all of a sudden, like I see him in double A and he's, He's the Hulk, him and his brother. I was like, dang, what's going on? These guys got big. But you, you just didn't really know. I didn't know it until like later in my career that that it was really an issue because guys, you know, I don't know if they really, they, I guess they hit it good. But to me, I didn't know who was doing it, yet maybe had an inclination of who did. But to me, I, you know what? I still had to go out there and pitch. And sometimes you just, if you had an idea – you still had to go because it's a challenge because now this guy can go deep on you, you know, on pitches away and all that. But, you know, but then they're trying to say that the baseball is wound too tight. It's all this stuff. So you never knew what was going on. Like I said, I pitched in the era. It didn't really bother me. 
that the guys did it. It just sucked when you lost on a guy who was dirty. Hula hoop through a Cheerio, and that's hilarious. That's that's hilarious. Um, as you you were a, a seven eight year vet at the time, probably nine year vet at the time of the strike, and you obviously played in during the steroid era. Did steroids and the home run because that's what followed with it? Did that right. save baseball? Because you know you would know before and after those instances. Me, I was just a little pea green trying to watch you guys. No, I mean, the strike was, you know, nobody wanted to strike because I lost a lot of money during that strike. Actually, I went through like three or four of them damn things. But, uh, you know, they were trying to, I, I remember, I think it was 94 or whatever, and they were, we were going through all the meetings and, you know, we needed guys to speak up. We needed baseball. We were losing the fans. So I remember them going to Cal Ripken and, you know, trying to get some of these these impact guys to try to help the game of baseball come back. Cause we didn't want to lose the fans. You know, that was one thing. And then, you know, everyone's saying that we're greedy. We're making too much money. Well, flip that right now and see how much these guys are making. And then talk to me about who's greedy, but these guys are greedy. Make as much as you can for as long as you can. But, you know, you still had, you never knew when it was going to end, but you know, that, that was just the life that we led back then. So to me, you know, with, with the uh, the steroids, they wanted more offense. They got it. Uh, but the strikes, you know, they just kept coming. And then the collective bargaining agreements, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it was just the owners against the players. And, you know, it was just – it was one of those big old clusters that you just didn't want to be involved with. But it happened. Boomer, what was your favorite moment? Because I faced you 18 times. And I hit you how many? Twice. <laughs> Only twice. But you always leaned in. I know, because I didn't want you – but I got – so you hit me twice. I was only three for 16. So, I, I mean, one only one punch out, though, so I'm proud of that. You hit me more than you punched me out. All right? <laughs> but well, when, you, when you see guys leaning in, and, you're, and to me it's like that just goes, well, they don't want to face me. They want to get on. They can't hit me. So just drill them. And then – but the thing was that you weren't a threat on the base. So I was just like, man, I can't get it unless I get a double play. But I couldn't pick you off because you never ran. <laughs> exactly. That was all part of the plan. Get it, you, I know. <laughs> well, you're on base no, that wasn't even, you know? It wasn't even about bashing me, but we can do there. It's no. fine. This was actually about something else. I was going to bash you. No. Uh, so I face you. I face No, it, it doesn't bother me either. That's why we get along. But, That's right. Uh, I mean, obviously, you pitched in some huge moments, a perfect game in, in, when you threw the perfect game, right? Uh, you also pitched the first game at Petco. You started the first game in Petco, right? Petco history. You pitched in World Series. You won World Series. What, what would you say is your biggest moment that you pitched in? Other, I guess perfect. You're going to say the perfect game. But is there another moment that fans wouldn't know about that you pitched and said, damn, that was like the coolest thing that ever happened? Jeez. I mean, when you play 21 years, a lot of things have gone down. I mean, I, I, I mean, if anything sticks out, I mean, it was a game in in, in uh, Atlanta when I, I, I threw, I threw a shutout. I think it was a one or two hit shutout, but I mean, it was a billion degrees. Now here I am, 270 pounds, sweating my butt off, and, and then get on, get a base hit, and then have and Knobloch hitting five foul balls, and I had to run. But, you know, I guess that showed endurance on me. But 
you know, I, I think to be honest with you, AJ, it was more of, of the postseason because I stepped up at the postseason and, you know, I wanted the ball at all any given time. I didn't care if I had a day rest or three days rest. It didn't matter to me. Um, I, I think I made a name for myself more so in the postseason because I just, you know, I had that knack to win. I wasn't afraid to fail. And that's what I tell these young kids. I said, just go out there. Don't be afraid to fail because your failures are your biggest asset to anything. I don't care what job description you have. You're going to fail, and now you're going to know not what to do. But to me, I, I, I think for um, if, to answer that question was probably mostly um, postseason. Okay, good, because I, was, I have one for you. That was my favorite highlight of you. 2005, you hung a curveball to Tadahito Aguchi in game two of the ALDS when you were with Boston, and he had a three-run jack off you. After Tony <laughs> Graffinino let a ball go through your legs, did you say anything to Graffinino after the game? Were you like, what the fuck, dude? You just called <laughs> No, I love Graff. Graff was a good old boy. You can't – that's one thing I never did. It was show my teammates up. Except for Jeter. Well, that wasn't showing him up. I was just like – it was like – how do you miss that? But it, it really wasn't a show up. But but no, when you when you you know things are going to happen, you know that that should have been the last out. I should have got through that. But you know, Tony, you just make mistakes are are there. You just you brush it off. You know, if I made a mistake or I did that, I'll turn around to the guys in the infield. I go, I got your back. I'll get this next. I'll get. I'll save your butt or I'll save my butt. Either way, it is. But I just that was one of my. Biggest pet peeves is not to show my teammates up because, you know, if it's Derek or, or Tony or anyone, you, you make them, you piss them off, then they, there's a lot of Olays going on. <laughs> oh, I didn't get to that ball, and they're going to make you look bad. Um, we all have, like, an inner circle of guys that, you know, we are tighter with outside of the lines. Who's your group of circles that you go with, have your beers with, have go hunting with, um, go and just – Go out and, and live in the free world. Who, who's your uh, group of guys that you do it that you do it with? Best, Anybody big name? Some a lot of our friends are just a normal guy. <laughs> the best scumbag ever in the game of baseball, David Cohn. <laughs> 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 that guy, he was my guy. He he threw me under the bus. I think it was '98, and we just like and he started this. He started this whole. Let's go out the night before we pitched because we went into Oakland and he was just coming off that aneurysm. And we went to the bar because we had to stay downtown Oakland. That's one place you don't want to stay. And they said, when the, when the sun goes down, don't, don't go out. So we went to the bar and it just about 10 o'clock and then it was pretty dead. And then all of a sudden a bunch of people started showing up. And before you know it, it's like two o'clock. And Dave had to go out pitch and he had a no hitter and got taken out because he was on a pitch count. And so the next day I'm in the, I'm in the dugout hungover as hell after the game shower, grab a little bit to eat. I get on the bus and Coney gets on the bus. He's like, boomer, you ready? I go for what dude? I'm hungover. I'm going to bed. He goes, remember last night? And I go, yep, that's right. Let's go. And we went to San Francisco and, the night went on, I ended up throwing a shutout the next day, and that's kind of where it started. So at the All-Star break, Coney goes to, to Joe Torre and says, hey, you got to split us up, man. Boomer, I'm not getting any sleep with that guy. And I'm like, really? That's calling the kettle black right there. He's the one that started it. And So Joe spaced us out a day, and it turned out great. And 
you know, we had that fabulous season. <laughs> um, I didn't know they had a pitch count back then. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> curious. What's, what was the when pitch you have count? an aneurysm, you had to. True. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um, so, so are pitchers nowadays doing it all wrong? I mean, we know how, how many guys. I mean, Jonesy or AJ, do you think how many starters percentage in this league this year go out before their start and have a night? I would say zero percent. Zero. zero. Heck, when I played, a lot of co- a lot of uh, what's the what's the edge street? What no straight edge? A lot of straight edge, Video straight games. edge guys in baseball. Yeah, there you go. Man, you could sleep in. But we back, called them you know, Bible thumpers back then, so the Bible thumpers stayed in. Scumbags <laughs> went out. <laughs> you, you, what, what did uh, someone say? I don't want milk drinkers on my team. Tony Muser back in the day. He's like, I don't need too many milk drinkers on my team. I want guys to drink beer. You but know no, what? But, well, you can. I mean, Boomer, we didn't. I mean, you didn't retire that much, that long before I did. But I, I mean, I didn't have guys. We didn't have guys go out even starting. Burley is the only guy I can ever remember that would go out and have a beer like the night before he was pitching, or maybe Freddie Garcia, maybe a couple other guys. But it was Freddie Garcia. Rare. That well, dude was an animal. Well, I mean, not before he, <laughs> not the night before he pitched though. Two nights before, I mean, every but just the night before he would usually stand. But every other night, yes. Dude, well, then you caught him late because when he was in Seattle, that dude smelt like a brewery 24-7. <laughs> it was great because I was out with him. So it was great. I knew it. But, hey, but, listen, you there's know, no guy. Get... There's no guy, Boomer, if I had to pitch one game my life depended on it, Freddie Garcia is at the top of my list. Nah, he's a good one. He was a gamer. But uh, Mark Burley, when I was with the White Sox that short stint, you know, he was, he was a rookie and – you know, him and Kip Wells and the guys. So I would take him out a lot. And I knew Burley because Burley, you know, I, I, I worked with him. I love working with him. He's, he's, he was awesome. And, you know, I hope that guy gets in the Hall of Fame. But uh, he could pitch. He wasn't overpowering. He just had the knack. And, you know, I just I worked with him a lot. And, and I, I just I saw what this guy could do, but nothing phased him. I mean, I would take him out. He'd have a bunch of beers with me and. He'd see it and he would he would embrace it. But to me, it, it's like when you guys played, you know, we played together for a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't encourage it, but it just happened. But you know what? When you're out and you got night games, you can sleep till one or two in the afternoon and, and you're good to go. Go run it off. Go sweat it off. And you're good. Legends Territory fam. We appreciate you for not only watching this show, but putting up with all of our antics, including us wearing our premium polarized shades inside because we love them so much. And a shout out to our friends at Shady Rays for hooking us up with the sweet stuff here that we've got on our eyes, protecting us when we're outside, especially for AJ and me, because yeah, it's still hot out, but it's actually hot out year round for us because we're in Florida. So gear up for whatever season you've got ahead of you with sunshine, with quality shades built to last. You do not need to break the bank to look like this. So cheers to Shady Rays for the durable frames, the extremely clear optics for whatever outdoor adventure you've got going on, and the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning even if it's day one and you break a pair or you can't find what you've got, they told us they will send you a brand new 
pair, no questions asked. So you can wear those Shady Rays with confidence. And if you'd like a little discount hookup, then go to ShadyRays.com. And for their best deal of the season, you enter the code. I know this is difficult. Foul. F-O-U-L. You can do it for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. AJ loves them so much that he's speechless. Best um, going out story, I guess, that you can say, you know, you don't have to throw whatever you want to do. And also, like, I'd be curious for even like the more casual audience crowd, because you were always talked about like, oh, you'd hang out with like the SNL crew and all of that, like you had perks being, you know, a, a big shot on, on a dominant dynasty franchise. So do you have anything good you can share on that front? Good friends you made, you know, cause you were, you were statusy. I, you know what, that's, that there's so many nights that, but, uh, and so many crazy things that you just can't say on television. That would be, that, that wouldn't incriminate me or anybody else, but, um, you know, it, it just, I don't know. That, that's, that's, that's a Who's your most question. famous friend, like outside of baseball? Like who, who did you get to spend time with? In the outside of baseball? Yeah. Like a, like a, like, you know, an A-list celeb kind of situation that you got to hang out with, you know, like a well, big actor or something. A lot of them, you know, I, I, you know, I was fortunate. I mean, doing the MTV rock and jock back in 98 and I think in 99 was, was pretty cool. Cause I remember, I remember Snoop Dogg, man. We played it, and and uh, Randy Wolf. It was we were playing at some college in L.A., and it was it was the the rock the rockers against us, and it was Method Man, Snoop Dogg, a uh, whole bunch of other guys. But they had this pitcher on their team, and they said he was a rock. When nobody knew who he was, it was it was Randy uh, Randy Wolf, and he was bringing it. And so we're in the locker room and. And Snoop's like, D Wells, you want to hit this? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, we did. And I had to go out the pitch. He goes, hey, whatever you do, don't hit me. Because we were throwing pretty hard. We didn't use the baseball, but we used a softer ball, but you could still bring it. And so I got loose. I was a little inebriated. And I, I said, you know what, piss on. I'm going to drill Snoop Dogg. And I smoked him. <laughs> and he drops the bat and he comes running out at me. And I started charging him. And he goes, just pretend, just pretend. This is just pretend. So I pick him up and I kind of slam him, you know, lightly. And here comes Method Man trying to rip my head off. And I'm like, For real? what's going on? And it turned into a little brawl. But we found out that this pitcher, once it all settled, and Snoop kind of, he, he, he said, hey, guys, this was staged, but it kind of wasn't. And then Randy Wolf, we find out his kid's in the big leagues, Dylan, and his brother's an umpire. I was just like, yeah. So I got to know Snoop Dogg and all those guys back in the day. But, you know, I, I hung out with a lot of people. Actually, a couple of years ago, I, I and my, my idol, my dream, made my life complete, was golfing three days with Clint Eastwood. That took the cake. That was awesome. Wow. Yeah. That had to be. I'm assuming that was at Bevel. Yeah, at his course, it was his tournament over at Tehama called the Clint. And you know, let me tell you something. Clint didn't hold back, man. He was the stories that he that he would tell, and if he talked about, you know, he, he loved the dirty jokes. That that was that was he would he would just crack up, and 
You know, and I'm like, I go, Clint, I go, damn, dude, you got, you got a lot of kids. He goes, yeah, I got to quit sleeping with the leading ladies. And I just, I was floored, man. I thought it was the best thing ever. But, you know, 90, where he is, 90 years old, 91 years old. And he's just, he's on the dance floor all night with every lady in the room, grabbing their booty, slow dancing, and didn't miss a beat. And that's my idol right there. That, that guy, he's had a great life. And, you know, if I could have spent half of my life with him, I think uh, it, would, it would have been awesome. Awesome or, you know, <laughs> he might have gone to Joe Torrey and said, hey, can you get me away from Wells? I'm not getting any sleep. <laughs> you never know. You never know on that one. But, uh, yeah, just you know, being in New York, you're, you're, you're with guys all the time. The whole cast, Jimmy Fallon and I, we used to, we used to run a lot, um, you know, but everybody in there. In New York, it was just great because, like I said, you burn the candle at both ends in that in that city. But you know, it worked for me. It might not. It didn't work for a lot of other guys. So it doesn't matter to me. I I, I enjoyed every bit of it. Were you pissed when you were shipped out of New York City? Oh, shipped I was away so from jacked. the Yanks. Yeah, yeah, because we just won the World Series. You throw a perfect game. You're a fan favorite, and and I was not a fan favorite of Joe Torre. Him and I never saw eye to eye, but. Um, First day of spring training, I get I get traded. I was pissed, and and so Tony's like, I'll come I'll come over to your house after after workout. So Tony came, and so I left for three days. I went down to Doral and played golf, and then I showed up, and then I went to the Blue Jay thing. And I said I quit, and they're like, We just traded for you for Clemens. I go, I don't care. I didn't ask for that trade. I quit, and I asked for an extension. And they said, we can't do it. I said, goodbye. And then they ended up giving me an extension. So it was great. <laughs> nice. Hey, did you have that in mind the whole time? Or you were you really real about quitting? No, I was ready to quit because, you know, I was just with the Yankees. And, and to me, that was just, you know, what better place to play? It was a dream come true. You know, being a Padre fan and a Yankee fan and getting to play for both teams. But, uh, you know, I didn't play with the Padres till later. But, you know, to me, that was just the pinnacle. But. You know, and then they go and win three more World Series after that. And I just, I got screwed out of those ones. But it, it just sucked because I felt like I belonged in New York. And, and to me, that was where I wanted to be. Why don't you guys try that, AJ or AJ? Jones what? and Krasinski? Try what? Like, or any of your teammates. If someone gets traded and they're pissed, just be like, I quit. Extension or I'm out. You just traded <laughs> for me and you can't take it back. No take backs. Because <laughs> you, you know what? You have to that. You know what you have to be to enable to pull that off? What? Really fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> they would be like, well, fine, well, fine, see ya. Go, go. I, I, I disagree. We dare you from, to go home. From the fellow all-stars, I will disagree with that. But, I mean, I, I think uh, you've got to have some good financial security, too, to awesome. be like, see ya. Yeah, but Boomer, but Boomer, no. listen, Boomer, they love Boomer so much, they brought him back. I mean, it wasn't like he went away and never came back. They eventually brought him back. No, they did. But let me tell you, you two guys were studs, and you could have done the same thing. You just didn't have the balls enough to say it. I never got traded in. <laughs> hey, I never got traded in spring training, so I can't say that. <laughs> well, I got I got traded in spring training and released in spring training, so I had them both. Did you well, say anything to Tori after that happened, or do you guys have a relationship at all now? Like, what what was that all about? I don't know how much of it you know was covered back then, but it was certainly you know known. No, I was I was pretty adamant. And then when I retired, I was bashing them a lot on TBS when I was working there for four years and they were getting mad at me. But, 
you know, I, I, you know, you just let the, let the fuse, you know, just let it burn out. And, you know, Joe and I are friends. I, I respect them. You know, the thing is you can't go on hating everybody forever. Um, you know, so you try to make amends and all that, but you know, during your playing days, you're just, we're always angry. You know, it's just something, something, something so small or something, something gnarly can, can really set you off and, and you could do it, but you know, he's too old. I'm too old. I don't want to go, you know, do it. You just, it's just better to, to, to cut the cord and, and move on and just try to be happy and, you know, support one another and do all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I was just with him in New York and, you know, it's great, but you still have those, if you, you go back down memory lane, it still burns a little bit, but you know, that's just the way it was back then. So you got to deal with it. Boomer, what was the worst place you played and why was it ba Jones's Baltimore? <laughs> well, actually Baltimore was pretty cool, but you know, uh, we had a great manager, Davey Johnson. He was awesome. But, uh, you know, we had a good team. We had a lot of scumbags. Scotty Erickson, as you know, he's uh, he was my running partner for a long time. And uh, so he uh, – but uh, worst place I probably played was probably Chicago because it wasn't – You son of a bitch. <laughs> well, I, I played half a year. I was hurt. You had Jay Mariotti, who's the biggest douchebag of all time, as a reporter, he would always send his guys in and never come in and face the music and just writing bad article after bad article. But one of the greatest cities that, you know, to party in, no doubt about it. But just for me, because I was hurt, I ended up having back surgery halfway through the season. But uh, but to me, it was, you know, if I'm going to go down that route, it was probably the worst for me because I wasn't there very long. And, and I was hurt, but yeah, I just took a lot of criticism from, from the media there. Hey, Boomer, did you dip? And I just wanted to ask you about Tiza. Obviously, you know, we've been um, talking about them on this show uh, quite a bit for, you know, a lot of whether it's old, young ball players. And, right. know, you know, there's definitely less to do it nowadays, but the options here now where, you know, Tiza, obviously it's, it's like a tea bag you can put in. It's good for energy. And most importantly. Key bag somebody. <laughs> your word's not mine. If you want to talk to their marketing, you're more hooked up than I am. <laughs> but no, no tobacco, you know no nicotine. You know the deal. Like, I mean, I know that's important to you and and Raj, who we've had on about this too. So what's your do you have a dip story where you've been around people or, or you were into it? No, I did. I did. I dipped uh, I tried chewing it first when I when I got into the league and it was an old company called Milk Pouch and uh so I used to steal it from one of our coaches, Billy Smith. And, uh, but you know, it was one of those long time tobacco companies and started doing that. And I was getting buzzed up really quick. So I started putting gum around it and did that. But then when I started trying to dip, oh man, that got me sick as a dog. But I, you know, they say, you got to keep doing it and got to keep doing it. But for me, it just took a little too long. So I went with the Hawkins for a bit and the Hawkins started burning the hell out of my mouth. And then I, so I started doing back to uh, like long cut and I did that for a little bit. And then I'm just like, you know what, you know, it's not over. And then guys started getting mouth cancer and spots in there and doing all that. And that scared the hell out of me. So I was like, no, nah, I ain't doing it. And then Brent, you know, Agan, who, who founded uh, Tiza, 
you know, we met up years ago and then he started this product and I was like, man, I was on the trail. I was getting everybody to get off that stuff and, and get on the Tiza because it's just all natural. It was a lot of herbs and caffeine did keep you up. So when we go golf, I do it every day. So when I'm, especially when I'm golfing, I'll throw one in there and, and, and do that. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think Brent's a, he's a lifesaver for a lot, a lot of guys. And, you know, and I think their wives are happy too. It should have been, uh, what, with, uh, with Frank Thomas, with that, uh, that testosterone commercial he does, <laughs> and she'll like it too. Well, it doesn't give you bad breath. So it actually had good flavor. So your, your wife or girlfriend will kiss you. That's a great call. It's a great call. No, and yeah. obviously we're we're big fans. So and coming from you it means a lot. Um, oh no doubt. I, I got one more for you. Have you seen the just in the past? What is it? Twenty four hours. The A Rod story about that whole investigation from that ESPN writer who said that you know he outed a bunch of his uh, a bunch of the other biogenesis people. Um, have you seen any of that stuff? I haven't heard anything. What's going no. on? What am I missing? Guys, <laughs> he basically, it came out. Remember, he obviously got in trouble for biogenesis, and then when mm. the prosecutors got a hold of him, he's like, "Oh, well, this person too, and this person, and this person," and oh, so he, he just started like naming names. He ratted everybody out. That's Hell what yeah. they're saying. We don't. I mean, that's the, that's the, the report. Story. That's the report. Yeah, we're not. They are saying it. Right. It's allegedly. Right. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. 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 Pretty good so story. That's kind of allegedly yeah. what Conseco did when. You know, mm. he wasn't getting all the recognition, and then he started dropping names and all that, but uh, allegedly. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's not good. You don't that, – that, that will come back to bite you in the ass tenfold, and that's why I say nobody likes a rat. You know, you always lie your way out of everything until you get caught, and then you better come clean. But, you know, <laughs> you don't come out and just start ratting guys out right out of the get-go. A lot of guys go to prison – and never say a word and they and they get a lot of respect and i will say it's more than allegedly like our our producers behind the scenes are like court papers were released through this story and he got a deal to write everyone out to avoid charges so i just did a thing with him and michael k um they did, oh they you were on that 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 show right the the yeah. alternate feed thing yeah. yeah well you know he a Rod, he hit me pretty well. He's got a lot of uh, a lot of home runs off me and and all that. So it's just you know it just sucks that when these guys get caught. You, you know what? Giambi did it right. He came out and he said, "Yeah, did it." And you don't ever hear his name ever. And he's probably one of the one of the best teammates I ever had. I don't know if you ever played with Jason Giambi, but what a stud! What a great guy he is. Did you wear the thong? Never had to. I never <laughs> <laughs> Got a slump to wear it. Hell yeah, baby. I would have. I'd have prayed that that little bitch around. <laughs> Were you tied with Jeter? What's that? Did you guys get along well? Jeter? Oh, yeah. We got along really good. Yeah. I used to, he was dating Mariah Carey. It was great because he'd come in the he'd come in the clubhouse singing and he couldn't sing for crap. And he'd come in there and we'd just have a, a blast and just wear him out with it. But uh, let me tell you, Derek was a great teammate. And he didn't shy away from anything. You know, he, he'd come out with us, but he left at a respectful time. But uh, he didn't shy away. And, and that's, you know, that's what you respect about these guys. You don't want, you know, just because he's, you know, he's the captain. He's, you know, the team leader. But he, he still, he did. It's like Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken was awesome teammate, too, because 
you know, he'd drink beer for beer with you. And then you didn't want to mess with him because if you were laying on the training table and he got, he got on top of you and he got his hands dug in on the other side, you ain't going anywhere and he can just crush you. Dude was strong as an ox. But, you know, you got guys like that. That's, you know, that just shows that everybody on the team, you know, everyone's equal. And that's how Derek, Derek did it. Cal did it. They all did it. They treated us as we were all equal. That was great. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, Boomer, awesome catching up with you. Really appreciate the time, man. Um, stay cool in there. I know it's hot as hell outside. Dude, it's not even that hot in Florida anymore. I'm Quit not being there. Such a whiny bitch. Yeah, tell Dude, me. Dude, you're that. in Orlando. Well, you're you're acclimated to it. You're in Orlando, and that's even hotter over here in Tampa. So it sucks. I'm you're actually to have the beach, the the breeze. Yeah. The, no, it, it's hot down there too. Yeah. I would, San Diego's the best weather ever. And Adam yeah, knows. Yeah, that. that's why Adam's the smartest dude on the show. Yeah, he knows what's up. That's San why I got Diego and a little Europe. So <laughs> have, fun with, right. have fun with uh, with Gavin Newsom out there. Hey, I don't got to talk to him. I stay in my bubble. Leave me alone. <laughs> no, you're, getting, you're paying out of pocket, dude. You're paying a lot of money out of that pocket. <laughs> well, Boomer, it was awesome catching up with you, man. Appreciate the time. Anytime, guys. This is that is the show. This is a great right? show. This is it. Thank this you, is man. it. And yeah, you can talk to it on one another, and nobody gets pissed off. That's what I love about it. It's 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 first of its kind in this sport. I'm telling you, I I can tell you that as a fact. The former players kicking it around, going over the good stuff in the game, and obviously kicking back on some stories too, because you can. You know, it's been a minute, right? Like you know how it. I mean, you were great with the media then, but like you can also, you can just like it, it's it's been a while, you know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I was great with the media. I hated the media, but you know, you get a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that's entertaining. Yeah, that's very entertaining. Yeah. I would have loved to. I would have loved to have seen you with Ozzy Gein and Jay Mariotti in Chicago because oh, Ozzy obviously hated him more than life itself. And so I tell you what, you guys on the same I, team, and oh man, I had my own little show, like a little podcast back then, and I would call him the Kotex Boy. And they would just tell my producer would be in my ear screaming at me, you can't say that. I go, he is. He's a big puss, man. He's just, he's dripping, dripping blood, man. It's just like, you're one of those dudes that he just never showed up. And he just would bury people. I don't even know. I don't think he's in the in the media anymore or whatever. I, Good. I, I've not followed him. I was not a, was not a Chicago guy. And another douchebag, that guy, Keith Oberman. He's the one. He's trying to stir oh. the pot. That guy is done. Oh, I saw you got on a Twitter war with him the other day. Well, he said something stupid, and I just told him to shut the fuck up, and and that was basically it. And you know, but he went from ESPN, had a good job there. Then he started bashing players. Then he goes into politics, and now everybody in the political world hates him, and especially the sports world. The guy's washed up. They should just just ignore him and don't give him the time of day. I'm with you, and I'll tell you this. This show is all sports, gladly, because there's, there's enough shit going on in that world. We just have a good time. Exactly. <laughs> right. Hey, we Which just want nice. to talk shit about baseball. Which there's exactly. plenty of shit to talk about. And and, and owners, to, to owners to tell the story. Owners are the best content. I will tell you that. If you just look at our, our shit sometimes, too. So No doubt. Uh, but, Boomer, we got to jump, man. It was good talking to you. Pleasure, man. Good hanging out with you guys. 
And thank you to the uh, MLB Players Alumni Association for putting this show together. Um, always appreciate everyone behind the scenes. If you want more information on your for- favorite former players, hit up baseballalumni.com. See you next time on Legends Territory.